marketing friends, it's Misty. Thanks so much for listening in to this episode of Marketing Sweats. This year marks Samantha's 40-ish year in business. So to celebrate, this season we're featuring Samanalites sharing their point of pride, stories about the work they've been involved in that made them proud. Today, I'm here with senior web developer, Alan Wilson. Alan's point of pride is a big one. He and the team created an interactive experience for attendees at the 2020 Con Expo, which is the largest construction trade show in North America. Like everything else in 2020, the project had its challenges, but for Alan, it was a rewarding experience that helped propel future endeavors. Have a listen, and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, today I'm so excited to have Alan Wilson with us to share his point of pride. He is a senior web developer with Symantle, and I remember, Alan, the first time I met you, you came to Symantle without a lot of like agency or marketing experience. Is that right? Correct. So where were you working before you came here? I was working at a car dealership. Okay, and you were like the head digital guy there, like you I, just basically ran everything? I kind of did more administrative stuff, but at the same time, I was also doing a lot of customer-facing stuff, Interesting. too. Okay, so. and a little bit of IT, even? Yeah, I was kind of the jack-of-all-trades. Okay, awesome. Well... I will be the first to admit, and I told you this, I am not a techie. I am not a technical thinker. I admire the work you guys do. And when you came on board, you mentioned it in your point of pride, we had somebody a little bit more senior to you that I still give her a ton of credit because she's the person who taught me how development works. Like I always thought it was just building websites. It's actually like making things talk to each other. So I love the fact that you have that skill set. When you came to Samantha, what were some of the sort of technical languages or things that you felt like you were proficient in and where did you want to grow? Really the, the stuff that I was proficient in was just kind of making something visually look good. And much to what you just said, it was from there, it was making the data parts and things speaking to each other. Got it. That's where I had really not shown much growth in. And that previous developer really started uh, putting those pieces together for me. Ah, uh, so you were more front end and we started pushing you into more of the back end Correct. space. Okay, got it, got it. Well, at Samantha, we do a lot of data work, data engineering mm-hmm. and sort of automation. And so Alan's been huge to our success in that. But Alan, I remember you were what we call hungry at the time, right? Like you didn't have a lot of experience. It was a risk to bring you into the agency, but we could tell that you were just hungry to learn. Yes, Definitely. And you even ran some community development forums and things like that. You you definitely were a Samanalite through and through from the start. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to do to get my name out there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, before we dig into your point of pride, because I love that you did pick a very specific project that you want to talk us through. Tell me a little bit about how your role has evolved since you started at Samanal, the role you play today, and and even how you're growing the team. Really, it's just, it's kind of been sort of this natural progression. The more that I learn, the more that I I feel that I can just give back. And that includes to the team members too. We seem to be getting more and more of them by the day. And and I seem to be the ones that they come to for answers now. You are, yeah. It's very reminiscent of my first days here. So it's kind of neat. That's awesome. You're somebody who has amazing hard skills, but also a lot of great soft skills. And Abby, your supervisor, says that to me all the time about you. And I'm thankful you even recruited one of your best friends to come work at Samantha. Is that right? I I did. I did. They started asking, well, who do you know and who do you trust? And I, well, there's this one guy and he he packed up his bags and moved here. And lived with you for a while just to come work at Samantha. What a cool story. I love it. I would love to have him on the show too. Great. All right. So one more question. Development as a function at Samantha, I think 
and, and we talk about this in, in the intro, it kind of is more of a behind the scenes role, but just the integration of your discipline with all the other areas seems like a really big, important part of Endpoint of Pride for what you do. Do you see that in your work day to day? I do. When something comes together and it starts working, it has that positive reinforcement on you. Like, it's really, really cool to see something working, yeah. especially after you see it not working a bunch of times. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about that because <laughs> things break in your world and oh, it yeah. can be frustrating. Yeah. So. All right, well, do a little setup here. So how long have you been working at Samantle when you were called into this Con Expo game that you're going to tell us about? Let's see. I want to say it was just right about a year. Well, it's a Con Expo happened right about a, a year after I, I was here. Right. And so leading up to it, I think the development, I wouldn't, I wasn't even here a year yet because we started in these projects early. Absolutely. And for those listeners who may not be aware, Con Expo is the largest construction trade show in North America. It happens in Las Vegas every three years. Samantha is very lucky to work with our longstanding customer Caterpillar. We've been working on this show, gosh, probably since the early 90s. So it's definitely become part of our culture. But this particular project was exciting because they were pushing us into more of a technology automation space. Space, not just designing the exhibit, but actually building the experience. So what do you remember about your first few meetings on this project, Alan? I remember they were talking about QR code check-ins. And I'm like, that's a really, really great idea. And I've never really seen, you know, the solid execution of that. You know, I figured that was something that only like a bigger, you know, event would have. And I'm, well, I mean, this is a bigger event, right. you know, so like, why can't we deliver on this? Absolutely. Um, and when you say QR code check-in, so the idea was that anybody that visited the CAP booth to encourage foot traffic, right, we were going to push them through the exhibit through this QR code experience and they would get prizes. Right. Every every booth that you visit had its own unique QR code to scan. And if you scanned all of them, you know, it would keep track of it. And you at the end of it, you would get some sort of prize to denote, hey, I've visited all there is to see in, in Con Expo world. Yeah. So... So I imagine before you even get into any of the technical or data pieces of it, you had to understand the actual physical experience, right? And the strategy behind where we wanted people to visit. Right. So what was that interaction like with other team members? Yeah, that was kind of weird because of the fact that like it was this space that was only going to exist for a few days and you'd only see just glimpses of it or somebody's vision of it. And then I also heard they even put the QR code to start the whole process at the airport as people were were landing too. So like you kind of had to understand that like it was more than just the actual small space that they were all in. It's kind of hard to visualize that when you're just in that digital space. Absolutely. And I I love that you hit on the fact that it started at the airport because one of Samantha's philosophies about any experience that we build is that basically, yeah, it starts when you hit when your plane lands, right? Because that's what you're going to remember from the whole experience. And I was lucky enough to get to go see this in Las Vegas at that time. And I remember walking to get my luggage and seeing these banners that you guys had created and saying, we did that. So I got to experience it too and see your work come to life in real life. Right. It was kind of cool when they, when they said that, I'm like, that was big. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So after you were able to understand that they were trying to create this end end experience, like where do you guys start? Because I think sometimes we don't get to see sort of behind the curtain. You probably sat down with 
your coworker person mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. and tried to start mapping this out. What mm-hmm. was your process? We just start gathering requirements. What needs to happen across, you know, like I, I think I'd mentioned in there across the multiple different systems. What was the, the client's legal requirements behind all of this? You know, just all these little details that that can need to go into an application like this. Yeah. And just start mapping them out and seeing how we can accomplish all this while still checking all those boxes. That's awesome. Well, and I mentioned it already, I'm not a techie, but like I do understand that there's sort of business requirements, technical requirements, functional requirements. Mm -hmm. How do you guys approach that today now that we have a little bit more sophisticated dev team? It kind of goes off to the same way. We have some processes that kind of been curated over time. So we kind of start with the stuff that's been tried and true. And then we start really kind of just adding things in there to push that envelope each time. And then there's a lot of revisions back and forth between our clients and, and each one of those review checkpoints, I guess. But the core process is kind of keep the same throughout. Got it. But we're always trying to like push it a little further and further and further and further. That's awesome. I love it. So you mentioned in here that the goal obviously was not only to create a great experience, to create a stream of first party data. And for those who don't know, Caterpillar leverages Salesforce Marketing Cloud as their CRM, but then also their automation solution. So talk about how that was sort of the foundation of the technical strategy and how you guys were plugging in applications to make this work. So this was kind of a new platform at that time to us. And a lot of our team was just starting to learn about the capabilities of it. And at the time, also, there was was a migration happening between one of their previous marketing systems on that. So we had to make this, this was in a unique situation where we had to have data flowing to both of those systems at the same time for the sake of the migration because they wanted it to exist in both places. Then we had to have the data going to where the actual registration event stuff was handled. So, and you had to have those things across wow. all three places. That's basically what the what the hardest part of it was. And then at the same time, you had to make sure that everybody was happy about where all the data lands. Yes. Yeah. Well, you say in here that once you figured out all those requirements, everything made sense technologically speaking, but putting it all together and making a final product out of it was a whole nother story. What did you mean by that? Once you're sitting at the base of the mountain, you see the route up. Sure. You see, okay, I have to jump over this this river here. I have to take this face up to the, to the peak or something like that. It's all there. You've got your guide. You've got your map and stuff like that. Sometimes you still have to take a few of those breaths and kind of amp yourself up for right. it, though. Well, and like the real world was happening, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, you mentioned in here at the start, of th- you, you couldn't have known that yeah. shortly after this trade show was going to kick off that a global pandemic was going to hit the United States, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's talk first about, I love this phrase that you use in your point of pride. I wanted this application to be everything that was promised to the client and more. Right. I think that is so cool, you know, that sometimes people say about some analytes that we care so much. We sometimes care more than even our clients do because we just want it to be so successful. Talk about kind of what that felt like to you just from the ground level of this project. Up until this point, like, you know, I mean, and even now, so in the future too, like saying no isn't something that I hear us do a lot. So when it's presented to us or it's pitched to us or something like that, chances are this is something that that, that we're, we're already pretty confident that we can do. So 
when it's already in our hands and we're we're starting to build this, it's like no failure is not an option. You <laughs> I know? love that, and not in the negative way too. It's it's like we know you guys can do this. Yeah, very driven. Yeah. And I love this part of your story. So you talk about how you guys would sort of trade roles, right? Somebody would take the front end, somebody mm-hmm. would take the back end. And when we got fatigued, we'd switch. That made checking each other's work easier and kept the development process rolling. I wrote down, I love that to be able to sort of like have enough in common with your teammates to where you can actually switch gears and check each right. other's work. There was also a lot of stuff that I was learning at the time with the back end stuff too. So like, that was the perfect way. So like, hey, I might have not known exactly how how this data would post to here, but I had the core of it built out so that the other person could take over, finish it up and be like, yes, everything else there was looking good. But in the meantime, can you go and finish this up for me? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And how did you work with our data team at the time? Because in your point of pride, you use words like you had to learn about data security, data storage, data structures, and all of this had to happen even multiple times per minute to make this thing function. So oh my. do you work a lot with our analytics group? Oh, yeah. They were they were very interested. And in, I remember hearing a lot about, I think Jason Brown kept coming out every day and asking me to give him like updates on what I was learning new in wow. Marketing Cloud yeah. every day. Jason uh, Brown is somebody that everybody loves picking his brain, but yeah. he's equally as curious yes. to just learn from I, the team, right? Like, I, I specifically remember during that, that, like, he would come out and he would just start asking <laughs> Salesforce Marketing Cloud questions. <laughs> just random, random yeah. stuff. I mean, there was other campaigns that we were working on, right. which ultimately, this was the things that he was using that information for. But right. it was like, this guy over here is learning something. Let's see what I can use that for and what I'm doing. Right. Well, and, you know, me having a little bit bigger, higher level view of the organization, I know the project he was working on at the time. And a lot of it that we do at Samantha is like this if-then thinking, right? Mm-hmm. If I can make this happen, then I can achieve this for the client. So I'm right. sure those are the kinds of questions he was asking you. Correct. That's awesome. Very cool. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about what happened midway through when the QR application changed and we had to start using our phones. Oh my gosh. That was, (laughs) it was something that we thought that there was something wrong with our application first. It almost seemed like it happened overnight. Like something, it just wouldn't work anymore because we wanted to have like this native application where it had its own little scanner inside of the program, which you didn't have to go switching different applications on your phone or whatever. It became a very, very important thing in browsers at that time that like they have to go through multiple layers of questions and security. This website wants to access your camera. This website wants to access your microphone. That all seemed to hit across browsers at all wow. the same time. So the plugin that we were using to use the camera to scan abruptly just was like, hey, the developers didn't want to support this anymore because of that, because they couldn't find a way around it. It was it was deprecated. So we had to make the decision to be like, we're not going to try to find a a way to around that, especially if we're we're going on privacy aspects. It's just going to be easier if we just instruct users to use their own phone cameras to to just do that, that scanning natively. It wasn't really received well at first because of the fact that Everyone was so used to having that convenience then. And now we we, we see these things on this page and we see pop-ups for permissions everywhere now. And now we're kind of used to that. But back then, it was kind of a hindrance. 
It's so funny that you talk about that because then we went into the pandemic and we all realized, oh, our phones just do this now, yeah. right? We didn't yeah. have to have a special application. Right. I love that you wrote that in your thing. You said, hey, you have to use your phone's built-in camera <laughs> to scan for this and wait for the prompt to follow you to the link because that's what phones do now. Like, yeah. so There's this whole offline communication piece to what you do. Yeah, exactly. Just catching people up. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, tell me about when you asked Symantolites to smoke test this for you, because you guys do that a lot to us, and I never really know how to best help you. You know, we can sit there and we can plug in our fake data all day, and we can do our use cases all, all day or, you know, how we'll click through something. But we wanted to, like, actually kind of mimic this event. So we, we took the nice workshop over there and put all these QR codes up on the wall and had, had everybody come in and actually scan it with this new and not improved scanning method that we just <laughs> implemented. And to make light of the situation, we went over to across the river to the office max and I still have the lanyard over at my desk. We gave everyone little oh, fake little attendee badges and stuff like that. And, hey, this is how you log in and blah, 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 blah. But it was kind of cool. But then everybody came in there and it seems like with every good quality test, they tend to find the worst in sure. all of it. And like you find all the bugs and they're like, oh, this isn't working. This uh, isn't working. This yeah. isn't working. And yeah. it's like, I mean, we found more ways to optimize. And that's essentially what came out of all of that is yeah. smoke testing is exactly that. You find find the ways that it wasn't working the best. And then you go back to it with that data and improve upon that and get ready for launch. Right. I actually remember that very vividly now that you talk about it. We did it over in our workshop space mm-hmm. and we invited Samantalites to come and actually go through the experience. Mm-hmm. And in typical Samantle fashion, right, we're always trying to be continuously improving. So you guys got a lot of feedback on how to make it better. But thank God you did that before yeah, the show, exactly. right? Yeah. And I also think you talk about how, talk about the emotion when you first started to see the data come in once the show actually launched because they had that live stream going up and we set up a tv in our area with the live stream going just all day and the coolest part about that was that our motion media department had like done a lot of work for like the superimposing of like the graphics on it so like you see all this stuff happening and it looks like it's like a NASCAR race going on there with it. It looks very, very well done. Right. And then you see in the background, you see all these QR codes and people <laughs> walking around and like, that's our stuff. That's our stuff. So we log into the back end of our application and I'm, I'm watching just this data set just growing and growing and growing. Yeah. And it's like, they're doing it. They're doing it. And then finally we're running the queries to see how many people has completed it. And that's growing too. And it's like, I guess we, we got through to somebody yeah, at absolutely. least. So. No, you're right. I remember that first day of the show and they were running that global operator challenge mm-hmm. and that was the focus of the live yeah. stream. But to be able to be a developer who worked on that experience in the background and mm-hmm. see people using it, it was like you wrote in here, you were able to see like the finite end result. And right. I imagine for you as a developer who works so much behind the scenes that seeing people actually use your thing had mm-hmm. to be really rewarding. It was one of those things that like, we was watching the data and fear of something breaking again, <laughs> but when it didn't, yeah. I think that was that was the the payoff that it didn't break. Yeah, you said it hit me pretty deep that I was a part of that. Exactly. Oh, that's was, so cool. It was it was a good moment. That's awesome. Well, like I said, I had the opportunity to go out there and experience the show for a couple of days, and it was absolutely a success. But I do remember the moment I was walking through Caesar's Palace, and all over the TV screens it said COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Coronavirus. 
coronavirus. And I grabbed my partner, Tim's arm and said, oh my gosh, we have to like deal with this. Like we are here in the midst of this. They're talking about shutting down the show. We had to get on the phone with our HR manager and talk about what does this mean for employees? Are they supposed to come into the office? So we were dealing with it from that standpoint on the business level. But like, what did that feel like to you guys who had spent so much effort in this sort of project? I I remember one of our uh, media analytics guys, I can't remember exactly which one it did, but there was a whiteboard in the room and he just wrote on it that day in giant letters, pandemic. Oh, wow. We took it as satire at first yeah, because we didn't take it seriously at first, but then like the things started getting worse and started getting worse. And right. the next thing you know, yeah, the show is closing down guys. And we're right. like, whoa. And then the next thing you know, there's a company wide email for us. And the next thing you know, there's announcements all over the news. And then the next thing you know, our state is shutting down. Yeah. And it's like, it just started escalating super quickly. Right. But we didn't even really have time to think about like the impact on our on our application or on our data. I think we just kind of just rode with it and really started just analyzing what we could out of it. And it was kind of nice to know that our client wasn't like, hey, you know, this isn't your guys' fault or right. anything. So absolutely. What did that look like then? I imagine you had worked for many months to get to the show, but then what did it look like after the show? Did they have you organize all that data? Did you have to present it back? It's m- more of the fact that because of where this application was stored within, you know, Marketing Cloud, the client has direct access to those things. So there was a very minimal amount of reporting that we had to do on our side just to show the numbers, but the actual data lives within their data warehouse. So they're able to see it through their dashboards and things like that as well. Yeah, It's one of those things that it was meant to be able to be accessed internally by them. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned in here that, you know, you've heard that there may be an encore appearance at future events. And we actually have ConExpo coming up here in 2023. And I, too, have heard that they may repeat this process. So I imagine you're pretty excited about that. Yeah, it would be, it'd be even though I feel like we, we had a good experience with it last time, it'd be interesting to try to get all the final, final bugs worked out and make it not so chaotic as sure, it was. Sure. So. Well, I've heard that we're going to be leveraging some different technologies, so it'll be another big challenge for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, talk a little bit, Alan, about where we are today with the development team, what you personally are excited about in your role, and kind of how we're growing the growing the department. So in our current development team, we're spanning multiple clients and multiple technologies now. And, you know, obviously we talked about Salesforce, but we're we're still working in, in multiple different spaces, multiple different CRMs, multiple different platforms. And we've almost started kind of granularizing some of our roles to some of those platforms, just because of the fact that how extensive they can get We have people that are certified in in specifically some of those platforms, and those people may be specifically working on on those client accounts in those platforms. That's kind of what what the things have kind of evolved to. We do have a few general developers that that kind of try to learn as much as they can and and kind of assist across all lanes as as they can. But what we found works the best is if somebody wants to pick a path that they want to go down, if they show interest in it, roll with it, roll with it, see if they can That's awesome. get certified in it. If they find something that interests them or, hey, I really like this or this interests me, especially if we've got the work, 
do it. Yeah. Well, I, that's been a theme in these point of pride discussions is that Samantha supports people's passions, right? Mm-hmm. And so has that been your experience here? Absolutely. Good. How so? It's really because of the fact that they've given me the chance to um, excel in everything. And like I said, getting certified in the platforms myself, too, uh, it allowed me to expand my skill set. I don't think there's ever been any point in time where there's been any sort of data or or any way to learn new data or or learn new skill sets that have ever been gated by yeah. me. It's you hold the key, you open the door. Sure. Yeah. Well, you talked a lot in this interview about sort of your hard skills that you've learned, but talk a little bit about how you've grown personally just through friendships and, and the way that the culture is here at Samana. I can honestly say that some of my my best people are Samanalites. Awesome. Um I love coming to work every day just because of the fact that I can I just love seeing all their smiling faces yeah. and I love interacting with each one of them right. in many different ways. I just, I love being a part of it. That's so, so cool. Well, we kind of end these discussions by me asking for a little bit of secrets of success or advice that you might have. If, if there's a Samanolite out there that's maybe new here and, you know, is learning from these discussions, what would you tell them? I'm going to go back to the first time that I met you. Okay. <laughs> and I asked you, what would you say to somebody starting out here? And you told me, don't be afraid to ask questions or challenge how things are done here and kind of define that path yes. around here. And I would encourage that on to anybody else here. Don't be afraid to not necessarily work within the confines of things, but find the right way to work. Oh, I'm so glad that stuck with you, Alan, yeah. because I say that to every new Samanolite that I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that you get about six months here mm-hmm. to sort of not become so semantalized, right? right? So take that time from your outside experience. Never hesitate to challenge your leaders. We love that, actually. Mm-hmm. We respect it immensely. And I'm glad that you found space to do that. Right. That's great. Too. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for submitting your point of pride. Is there anything you want to add or anything I should have asked that I didn't? I think we covered a lot here. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I appreciate you and your work and I can't wait for you to get to do this again, maybe at the next uh, Connect with Trade show. So again, thanks for being here. Thanks. Con Expo is one of those events that's larger than life. It's so amazing to be part of and I'm so proud of the work that Alan and team poured into it. I can't wait to see what they come up with next. Dev is one of those areas where a lot of times we fail to appreciate all of the time and effort that goes into creating the experiences we see. So thank you to Alan and the Dev team for all that you do to help keep our clients' audiences engaged. To hear more Samantha Point of Pride stories, go to marketingsweats.com or wherever you get your podcasts and check out the rest of the episodes in our very special season six. You can hear more about this story told through Alan's eyes by visiting the 40-ish anniversary page on samanal.com. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.